I've got to be completely honest with you and say at the start of this week, going into the weekend, there was news coming out. This is April 2020, getting weeks into the into the coronavirus, COVID-19 lockdown, if you're watching it, not live. And there was news coming out that told me what I needed to speak about and what episodes I needed to record. Um <laughs> And I knew going into them that they would not be much fun and there's not much joy and laughter and opportunities for cracking jokes. Uh, but I think they're really, really important and we've already covered one of them, if you haven't seen it, which is depression and suicide, which is clearly on the increase at times like this, sadly. Uh, and the other one, which I have to say, going into recording this video, I actually feel more vulnerable and more at risk um, of many things than talking about depression and suicide, which I'm not sure I expected before I started planning to talk about these two topics. Uh, because this one effectively is prompted by reports that domestic violence and domestic abuse is on the increase at times like this, which again is a heartbreaking topic and not one that many people want to talk about. But the whole purpose of this channel, of this podcast, of my new venture is to talk about the, the tough stuff really that can really help our lives and has helped my life. Um, so there's no avoiding it, there's no point. There's no point me doing this stuff if I don't talk about the, the tough stuff and and don't share with you the really, really difficult things and, and the bits where I'm at my most vulnerable. So it's a tough one. It might be a tough one to listen to, depending on your situation, on your circumstances. Um, I should say up front, as I try to say all the time, that, that I am by no means a, a huge expert in all of these fields. I'm talking about my own personal experience. I'm talking about the stuff I've learned. I've I'll talk about the, the ways I've changed my life. And if that resonates with you, if that you think that clicks with you in your life, in the people you know in your life, and you can take something from it, fantastic. As with everything, don't take my word as gospel. Look into it yourself. If this if this is something that interests you or you feel like is a challenge in your life, then look into it. Don't, you know, there's plenty of stuff out there to read, to watch. People who are far more experienced and specialist than I am in this field dig into it, find out as much as you can. All I can tell you is the stuff I've learned, the stuff uh, over the past couple of years especially has, this stuff in particular has transformed in my life to to unrecognizable levels, I would say. Um, and to get stuck into it, it's, it's basically with, without, I hope, you, I hope it sort of comes across in, in in the way I talk about stuff that I like to I like to absorb lots of information, often complex information, and often I'll be reading books. I'm reading a couple at the moment where just halfway through I'm like, God, this is hard work. The, I, I read a book the other day and there was there was there was a word in it with about I think it had thirteen syllables. And I was sitting there trying to read this word like a four year old child. And I thought, this is ridiculous. I'm nearly forty. I'm very well educated. I'm fairly bright. And I'm struggling to read this book because it's so difficult and the topic was really important and the information was really good. But I thought, what's the point? What's the point in talking about it like this? Um, 
because most people just won't, won't, won't read it. I don't want to read it. And that's what I try to do. I try and talk about things in a, in a way that makes it easier to digest. And, um, but I'll, I'll sometimes refer to sort of the source of things and the books I've read and stuff like that. And what, what we're gonna, I'm going to start talking about in this, I touched on it in the, in the depression and, and suicide episode, but you're going to hear me talking more and more about something that in the field of psychology is often referred to as shadow work really going back to some uh, very prominent psychologists and the, the forefathers of all this sort of stuff um, and it's dark it's it's basically looking at our darkness looking at the sides of us that we don't want to look at and um, when I started thinking about the domestic abuse conversation and and everything that spills out from the sides of it, it and this overlaps with with the depression side of things is that it often amazes me, and maybe this will click with you as you hear me say this, that the world is full of people who tell stories about being the victims of abuse or being traumatised in some way or just being in relationships where the other person doesn't treat them very well. We, we can all, I think we can all relate to that. But what, if you stop and think about it, what we very really, really hear is anybody admitting to the other side of that coin? We're all in relationships where we say, well, I'm not treated well by the other person. But if you think about that logically, for that to be the case, there's got to be people who are not treating other people well in relationships, whether that's personal relationships at home or business relationships, employee, employer, co colleagues. We very rarely admit to ourselves that we're, we're the problem. It's us actually in this situation that's the abuser or the traumatizer or the bully or the, the boss that's causing employees grief or the employee that's causing their colleagues grief. We're always pointing the finger and looking at other people. It ties into the taking responsibility episode that I talked about and this will all, one of the reasons I did that quite early on in, in these run of episodes is I'll constantly refer back to that and I will today. So this episode is all about anger basically and, and a word that you might not have heard often talked about in when people talk about anger which is rage. So we'll, we'll come on to that and I'll introduce it as we go. For the beginning of this we will, we will talk about anger because that's what most people are used to talking about and, and the word that's in, in there. And we talk about anger management and these are these are the types of phrases we hear anger management anger exploders people have got problems with tempers um and to start with as i tend to do to let you know why i think i can talk about this stuff is to share some of my own story really and this this is it's, it's strange actually even as i stand to talk about it this is harder for me to talk about than it is to talk about depression and, and suicidal thoughts even, which maybe is surprising, I'm not sure. It's interesting in itself. But so my my story, it, it, you could, it, I mean, it, this part of it could actually be quite a short story, but it go, go back, let's go right back to when I was a kid. I was a very, very quiet and shy little boy. Um, many of my even good mates these days don't believe that anymore for, for good reason. I understand why they don't. I like to talk quite a lot these days. Um, but I was shy, I was quiet, I had a big sister, she used to talk on my behalf, and I didn't say very much. I was late developing speaking. I had speak 
speech problems when I was when I first started to talk uh, and I was just a quiet kid I kept myself to myself I was really good I was well behaved um, I had lots of friends in school but wasn't extroverted really uh, and, and that carried on throughout my sort of adolescent life I became more sort of outgoing as the years went on went traveling went to university went traveling after university became more confident grew in in character um, and grew lots of things that we'll talk about in, in future videos actually when, when I look back and I was always really really placid I wasn't angry um, I didn't get in fights in, in my early years that developed as I sort of turned into a later teenager and boys will be boys and get into fights and scraps and different things like that but never had a problem with that I would say a problem with anger in any way until I got into my probably mid-twenties uh, and when I started getting into for me it manifested in uh, relationships romantic relationships basically so I I would when I look back it's easy for me to sum this up now and I, I suppose at the time I could tell this but it's easier to sum up now although it's difficult to talk about is that I would find myself often in situations where I would be biting my tongue constantly suppressing emotions not happy swallowing things tolerating things basically not trying to not upset people trying to be a diplomat and as I, as I look back even as I say that word when I look back to my younger life I always considered myself a diplomat I was a diplomat in my family I was the one who would try and stop people fighting and broker peace amongst people and that continued into my like sort of mid-20s and I just wouldn't like I wouldn't like confrontation I suppose it was I would rather bite my tongue and not say something than risk upsetting someone or hurting someone's feelings or if I you know if I disagreed with something I just wouldn't say it. I would just bite it and swallow it and where that led to was I would that would build up over time and I could feel it when I look back I could feel it building up inside me and it was like every time I swallowed something and didn't say something it would add and add and add and it would get to a moment where I'd be in a conversation with somebody and one little thing would be said and I would just explode and it would go from the tips of my toes to the top of my head like a volcanic eruption in the space of like a second not even a second just a, 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 it's hard to describe unless you've seen it or you've experienced it just that bang that moment of just everything coming out and i'm actually I've, I've i've this is something for me when we talk about shame and guilt this is something i carried a lot of shame around in my life with um and still carry guilt around and i've done a lot of work on letting go of that because it was a long time ago now um but it would lead to me i mean there are there quite a few examples over my life in a sort of a 10 year period of once a year i would say on average i would you know there was a time when i exploded and threw a glass at a wall there was another time i exploded and smashed up a guitar there was a time i exploded and, and what punched a wall and broke my own hand another time i smashed i remember i had a remote control in my hand for a tv and i was so and this this was I remember at the time the rage would pour out of me this anger would pour out of me and my 
conscious mind would be saying, don't hit anybody. So it would manifest in an explosion in some other way. And I remember this one time, it, I, I, I was sort of so, it would, I would lose my mind temporarily. That's what it would feel like. I would just become insane for five seconds. And I smashed a remote control against my own head, which sounds ludicrous now as I think about it. But th that's what would happen. It would, it would consume me, everything all consuming. And it would pour out in the space of a few seconds. And then I would immediately drop into shame. Immediately, no matter what the trigger was for it, no matter what the conversation was, no matter how right I thought I was beforehand, because it was usually in the, you know, in the throes of an argument where something triggered, I would then immediately drop into shame and be like, fucking hell, I am. Because in that, in that moment, I was very much a monster. That's what it felt like. If you talk about what monsters are, what evil is, what badness is, which we're going to talk about. That's what it felt like. Like there's, there's no getting away from that in those moments. And I would immediately come out of it and be like, fucking hell, how can you, how can that happen? How can that happen? And I remember when it first, first happened mid twenties thinking I've got an anger problem here. Um, and I went to, I went to a bookstore to read books on, to get some books on anger management. I remember just standing in the store and picked up this book on Buddhism and read the first chapter. And the first chapter basically said, uh, if you experience problems with anger, whatever it is in your life that causes anger, you should just remove it from your life. And I think back at that memory now, because I remember putting the book back on the shelf and going, well, I know what it is, because there's only one thing in my life that causes me that much anger. And that's my personal relationship at the time. So I just, I should end that. And I often look back and think, I wonder what would have happened if I just read the whole book. Why didn't I just read the whole book at the time? Because that's part of the problem in this, is that if you experience this type of emotion, if you've ever experienced anything like this, or you know somebody who has, it's really easy to put the blame externally, to say, I behave like this when this happens. And that's not really the point, is where I've got to with all of this. So what happened to me was, that went on over the years. So it would, it, would, it would happen and then it would go and I would think it was out of my life and then it would build up again and there'd be an explosion. And then I would look at it again and, and then over the years, I thought I had it under control. And then years later, I had, I had an instance whilst driving a car where I genuinely thought I might drive this car off the road. Like literally in that, in that moment of of just insanity, I might drive this car off the road. And I was petrified, the person who was with me was petrified. And at that moment I thought, I thought I had this under control and I don't. And it's something inside me that I need to look at. And when I talk about going to see a therapist, that was, there were two, two, two or three triggers for me to go and see a therapist. And that was one of the big ones was, I remember thinking, Regardless of anything else that happens in my life, I want to resolve this once and for all. I don't want it to, for, for it to be something I'm working on myself. And this is a good example actually of, we can often work on things ourselves thinking we can resolve it. And it's really difficult to, without an expert third party to speak to. Um, and I thought I've, I've thought I've resolved this loads over 10 years and I haven't. So it's time to speak to someone properly. And that's when I started seeing a therapist and then 
on top of seeing a therapist, something I haven't talked about yet, but I'll talk about more in the future as well, is I started seeing, uh, speaking to a coach in New York who I loved a bit and it has been a massive change in my life as well. And that was brilliant on top of the therapy because it came at it from a different angle. And we talked a lot about um, emotions and destructive behaviors in, in those sessions. And he recommended a book to me, which I'll recommend to you, which is a book called When Anger Scares You, I think it's called. Um, it's actually quite difficult. It was difficult to get hold of when I got it. You, you couldn't get it from Amazon at the time. It's quite a small book, but it's brilliant. And all of this combined really helped to educate me on this issue. And the big thing, and I've touched on, I've used the words interchangeably to begin with, but until today, you might, if you're anything like me, you will have always referred to this stuff that I'm talking about as anger. Like this is, these are anger explosions and these are tempers that we, that people have. And my family is on one side is renowned for having a bad temper and explosions of anger. And we talk about anger management. But what I learned from working with therapists and coaches and this book in particular and, and other things around it is that what we're talking about isn't anger, it's rage. So when you experience and when I experienced any type of explosion, that isn't anger, that's rage. And they're two different things and it's really important that we differentiate them and because this is the first stop, step actually of facing the darkness in ourselves and overcoming it. Because the one of the causes of this is it's yet another example, and again, you'll start seeing threads of me talking through all of these topics of stuff we're talk, taught when we're kids. And it's nobody's fault, again, it's passed down through the generations. But one of the things we're taught when we're kids is that it's not okay to be angry. Like when kids are angry, we tell them not to be angry. We, we classify it's almost we classify good and bad emotions. And I still, because of that training, I still often call them good and bad emotions. And I'm trying to actually retrain my own brain away from that because I don't believe in good and bad emotions anymore. Anger is a really healthy emotion, really healthy. It's another one of those emotions that has been there to protect us for generations, for thousands of years. That's what it exists for. It's there for a purpose. But what we're taught when we're kids and as we grow up is it's not acceptable. So it's another one we suppress. And we, and we think that anger is equivalent to bad. So if we think of ourselves as angry or being angry or expressing anger, that that's a bad thing. And it's not, fundamentally it's not. Anger is a good positive emotion. It helps us in many, many ways, in many situations, if we express it in a healthy way. And that's the key. And while anger is healthy, rage is not. And we can, as soon as I say rage, you will, if, any, if you're anything like me, you'll easily associate that with things like the things I've described, throwing stuff against the wall, punching things. The worst side of it obviously is hitting somebody else. Um, all of those outwardly sort of very easy to spot things are rage. So that's, a, it's a, Rage comes as a result of suppressing healthy anger over time. But there's a twist in this as well. And the twist is that those it's not just those big things that are rage. Rage comes in many, many different forms. And you might be surprised when you hear these things. I was when I first learnt it, but it makes a lot of sense. So 
Rage is also shows in behaviours like shaming other people, humiliating other people, being passive aggressive towards other people, controlling, screaming, being sarcastic, um, giving people a silent treatment or sulking, threatening to leave relationships or manipulation. These are all expressions of rage and they're all expressions of rage because where they come from is suppressed anger. So what happens is when we don't express our anger in a healthy way, it manifests itself in rage sooner or later. And all of the things I've just mentioned are examples of rage. Now, as I go through that and as I learned this, what I realized was, and I'm conscious again, this could be confirmation bias and I can only talk from my own experience. I'm not a therapist who's talked to thousands and thousands of patients across different demographics. So this could just be a result of the place I live and the people I've met over the years. But I would say, if you talk about those characteristics, they cover most people I know and they cover most people I've ever met because actually very few of us are taught to handle anger properly. Very few of us are taught how to healthily express our anger. So we're bound then to express that anger in unhealthy ways over time, which comes out in rage, which comes out in any one of those things that I've mentioned. So if you find yourself throwing something at a wall, that's, I mean, that's clearly rage and that's easy to spot, but I talk a lot in, in, the, in the work I've done and the things I talk about with other people now about stealth issues, like stealth addictions we'll go on to talk about. Stealth rage are things like sulking, giving people the silent treatment, because what you're trying to do, you, you desperately want to say something, but you're not, and you're holding it in for unhealthy reasons. And this is, as we walk through this, this is really interesting because what the story I used to tell myself and the story, if, you, if, this, if this clicks with you and you can relate to it, the story you might tell yourself as well is, yeah, but I do that for other people. I stay quiet for other people. And that's what I used to tell myself. Yeah, 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 I don't, I, but I bite my tongue because I, I don't want to upset you. I bite my tongue and I bury this and I tolerate this because I'm being good and it's bullshit. It's absolute bullshit. It's not true because what we're doing at all times in our lives, and again, this is something else we'll dig into in the future. We're all trying to satisfy our own human needs. That's all we're doing all the time, subconsciously. And if we don't take control of those human needs and satisfy them in healthy ways, our own mind and body will find ways to satisfy those needs in unhealthy ways, often in destructive ways. And that's what ends up happening. So in this, for example, if you think it through, even if you think about it logically, forget psychology, forget human emotion. Let's say someone says something to you you don't like. And instead of saying something back to them, you bite your tongue and you hold on to it and you tell yourself it's for them. Well, it can't be for them because they didn't ask you not to say it. I've, as I've walked, worked through this process and spoken to other people and I think about how I am with this stuff, I don't want other people to guess what I want to hear. I want people to tell me the truth. And that's what most of us say. We want people to tell us. I'd rather someone just told me because otherwise, what are they doing? They're guessing what I want to hear. They're not, they're not doing what I want them to do. 
what I would like them to do. They're guessing what I would like them to do and doing that instead. Often completely counter to something we say out loud. So I'll give an example of this, and this is where it comes into how we can how we can deal with it um, and take control of it. Is we often actually when I look back, we tell people we want them to be honest with us, but we don't create environments in which that's possible. So it makes it really difficult for people to be honest with us. I'll give you an example later on. And often as well, when I say these things, when I talk this through, the first reaction, and you might have done this as well, and I used to do it all the time and still do sometimes, I still find myself slipping into this, is to think of somebody else. So the first thing you do is go, yeah, you do that. I remember one actually, I remember chatting to someone about taking responsibility. And I said, look, the first thing we all need to do is take responsibility. And the first thing this person did is turn to their husband and say, yeah, I always say to you, you need to take more responsibility. And that's a perfect example of where we go wrong. We first think of other people. I think, yeah, that's what you do. That's what your behavior is like. When actually the key is to stop and reflect and think about our own behavior. Which of these things do I do? Which of these things do you do? Because that's the key to start solving this. And again, talking about threads that run through, it's key to remember this is no one's fault. So when we're trying to address this, it's no one's fault. This is, these are behaviors we learned as kids. They're behaviors that were taught to us that we're passing on to the next generation without knowing it. They were passed on to us without the people who passed them on to us knowing it, and it's gone back through generations. This is our opportunity to, ch to break the chain. And that's why I wanna talk about this stuff because the way I see it from where I am is the stuff I've learned, this is an opportunity for me to break the chain and make sure that anyone who comes after me, if I have kids, my nieces and nephews and little cousins, I can help to break the chain. I can help to teach them what I have learned that anger is healthy as long as we express it properly. And that's the key. So it's important to remember it doesn't make us bad people. Being angry does not make us bad. Experiencing anger does not make us bad. I go as far these days as to say, I do not believe in good and bad people anymore. There are outliers, there always are, there are exceptions. I'm sure there are you know, a handful of people in the world who are born bad for whatever reason. But I think for the most part, humans are good. And what makes us feel like we're bad is, we do certain things and we experience certain things and we behave in certain ways that are bad. But it doesn't make us bad as people. It just means we are good people who behaved badly. That's all it is. And there's a massive difference between that. There's a massive difference between calling somebody a bad person or thinking of ourselves as bad people and thinking of ourselves and thinking of us, other people as good people who have done something bad or have behaved badly. And I've got, I've got a story I like to tell about this, which I'll tell you now. It's hard to know at which stage to tell this story, but I think it's key and it makes the point really well. Is that I remember a couple of years ago now, probably at the, towards the start of this whole adventure for me, I was living in, in a lovely suburb in, in Northern Liverpool by myself. And I had a little beautiful dog who was about, must have been about eight months old at the time gorgeous little Westie and I had a big long garden so if you stood at the back of the house you would look out and the garden must have been 50 60 meters long it was a house I rented um, 
and it was grass all the way down there were trees down the right hand side and a fence down the left with border with with flowers in and a rockery and a shed and obviously the grass needed to be mowed and every few weeks my dad who I loved a bit would say to me I'll come and mow the grass and this is sort of somewhere else that I've developed in life is that in the past I'd be like I don't need anyone's help to mow grass I'm quite capable of doing that myself but as time's gone on I've thought it's not about that that's not the point something else we'll talk about the point of this is my dad wanted to come and show me love by mowing the grass for me and it gives us the opportunity to spend some time together and it'd be really nice so I'd say yeah come on come up come up and mow the grass and we'll, we'll spend a couple of hours together and on this day the the dog had never I don't think the dog had ever seen my dad mowing the lawn before um, but it's eight months old it's a puppy basically and I said she loved their granddad and she's jumping around him and I said to him do you want me to put the dog inside while you mow the lawn or can she stay out and he said she can stay out it's fine don't worry about it I said fine okay so I walk off down the garden I thought I'll make myself useful I'm just gonna go and sit inside so I'll go and do some weeding or something while you're mowing 30 seconds later I walk away I turn my back I hear the lawnmower start up then I hear the dog barking and then 10 seconds later I hear my dad scream the lawnmower go off and I turn around and he's furious and I say what's happened and he said the dog's just bitten me and he's he's really up, he's upset and he's angry with the dog and it was in that moment I had this almost an epiphany that ties into all of this because in that moment what my dad could see was an angry dog that just that had just bitten him and what i could see was a frightened puppy that was petrified of a lawnmower and was jumping up to try and be saved and from that day i don't see angry dogs anymore anywhere all i see is frightened puppies because the thing about anger is that I've learned and different people will disagree with this I'm sure but I believe from the stuff I've learned and the stuff I've experienced anger is often an outward facing emotion that covers something else so the way I like to think of it is it's like our it's like our big brother that when we're upset in some way it comes in and it goes and shuts people down but what it's often covering up are emotions like fear like hurt like grief loss vulnerability insecurity and when we feel these things rather than look at those emotions and and embrace them because we haven't been taught to do that as children as we grow up our anger steps in like a big brother and attacks because it keeps people away it keeps us from looking at those other emotions and the trick is when that happens and this is what i do now if i ever feel angry which still happens but now i know it's a healthy emotion now i think is there something behind it is there is there something behind the anger am i actually really upset here am i hurt and this is the thing it's easier often for men especially but this applies to women as well it's often easier to say i'm angry than to say i'm afraid it's often easier to say I'm angry than it is to say I'm really hurt by what's just happened. I'm grieving, I'm insecure, I'm vulnerable. We lash out as a defense mechanism. And that's why whenever I see now, anywhere, this, this could be anything from 
seeing people having a fight in the street, arguing in a supermarket to the president of a country or the prime minister of a country or politicians arguing. Whenever I see anger being, being outwardly shown, whenever I see something that everybody else sees as an angry dog, the first thing I think is, this isn't an angry dog. This is a frightened puppy. What's behind the anger? And it doesn't take much actually to start looking behind the anger and, and think they're petrified. Right now their backs are up against the wall. They're being exposed. They're vulnerable. So what happens? They become angry to defend themselves. And it's important, I think, that we see the difference between those two things. Because once we can see the difference between those two things and we can show more compassion to ourselves and to other people, then the idea of anger becomes less of a problem. When we can do that, when we can identify it like that, and then we can also identify that rage is a different thing to anger. And so anger is not something to be afraid of. Anger is something to notice and to be aware of and to use as a tool in our life that can help us in all kinds of relationships, in all kinds of situations. Then that's a stepping stone to overcoming any problems with rage. And that's the point of this. And then after you've done that, practical steps. When you think, if you, if you roll all, the, all of this back and think about what I've been talking about, rage, those things, so go back and remind yourself what, what's rage. Rage is throwing things at walls, ex, explosive displays of what we call anger, hitting people, shaming people, humiliating people, manipulating people, controlling people, threatening people, being passive aggressive, sulking, giving someone the silent treatment. Any of these things, when we see them, think, okay, that's rage. How do we roll back from that? How do we stop that happening? And the way we stop that happening is we express our anger healthily. So the key is observing ourselves, being kind and observing ourselves. So notice whenever you bite your tongue. Notice whenever we tolerate something. Notice whenever we think, I want to say something, but I'm not going to. And notice the reasons we give ourselves. Because going back to what I said before about it's not for the other person. This isn't. This wasn't from a philosopher. This this came, and I love this, and it's, it's stuck with me. Uh, one of the founders of, of Netflix, Reed Hastings, I saw once say, to disagree silently is disloyal. And I thought it's brilliant that. Because we often do that. We dis especially in, in sort of personal romantic relationships, but in business as well, this is key. We often disagree silently with someone and don't say. And when I said before about it's, be it's bullshit that it's for them, I agree with him, it's, it's disloyal. But there's a step further than that, and it's actually selfish. Because what we're not giving the other person the opportunity to do is to respond. So you can take this further on, and this is where I, I think the root of this, and you'll see this as a thread as well, is insecurity and low self-esteem. Because what we're not doing is, we're not saying what we truly believe because we're afraid to say it fundamentally. But the root of that is, we're afraid if we say out loud, the other person's got a chance to say something back and they might prove us wrong. They might say, yeah, I hear what you're saying, but it's not right. Whereas staying silent, what we're actually doing is it's our ego allowing us, we're actually being quite arrogant and egotistical because what we're saying is, I'm right 
and I'm not going to say it out loud. I'm not even going to give you the chance to respond. So we're secretly putting ourselves above the other person. So it's not actually a nice thing to do at all. It's the opposite. What we should be doing is saying, okay, this is difficult. I'm going to say this out loud. So one of the keys is to talk more, is to say the things that are on our minds. One of the things I still practice doing myself is in situations in which I disagree with what's being said, I just get myself to say, I disagree. That's it. Don't think about, I've got to go more than that. Don't think about, I've got to go beyond that. Don't think about what the reaction will be. Just bring myself to say, I disagree with that. And at least I've said it out loud. And at least then the other person can join that conversation if they want to. They can say, why? Why do you disagree? Let's have the conversation. But there's a kicker to this as well. Something as important, if not more important than talking about it, is being able to listen. And not just listen, but to hear what the other person is saying. Because we all want to be able to talk and we all want to be able to speak our mind and we all want to be able to be heard and understood. But what many of us don't do, and I include myself in this in the past, is listen properly. And if nobody's listening properly, then we're in this loop where none of us feel like we're listening to properly, but none of us are listening properly to anybody else. And that's why. So go first. Go first. And that's why one of the reasons I want to share this stuff is I think it's important if you can talk on the wider sense, if you want to change the world, you want to make the world a better place, go to change ourselves first. That's first and foremost. Make ourselves better people. Focus on our own flaws. We spend too much time pointing at everybody else's flaws, everybody else's darkness without realizing, without calling it that. And not enough time looking at our own. And it's frightening. This is the problem with it is, or the challenge with it is, it can be frightening. There's a reason we, we, subconsciously don't want to look at it but from experience what i can assure you is that's the path to freedom there's all kinds of quotes around it joseph campbell the treasure you seek is in the darkest cave you don't want to go in that's what this is i can tell you from experience and from there i only know a handful of people who've ever done this work properly and every one of them says the same thing that's where freedom lies it doesn't lie in, we, I think we're brought up in a world where we think we'll get peace if everybody we've ever had an argument with comes and apologises to us one day. That's not where peace lies. It's the opposite. We find peace when we realise all of the things we've done in our lives and the ways we've behaved that are not acceptable and we apologise to other people for them, regardless of what they did or what they've said. We'll go on and talk about more about this in the future. But for now, for this... There's a, there's a few keys. One, talk about it. Don't bottle things up. Two, listen and make sure you listen to other people. Three, and this is key, going back to what I said before, create a safe space in which people can talk. So what you might say to me is, and what I hear people saying, and I used to say is, yeah, but I've tried this. I've tried talking to people. I've tried saying, come and talk to me. And I, I look back to when and this was throughout my life, but the, the best, the easiest example to use is when I was, I owned a company and I had a team of people. And I used to say to them, come and talk to me. If there's any problems, come and talk to me. Come and tell me. I'd rather you are honest with me and we can sort things out. And then over a space of years with different employees, that wouldn't happen. And they would bury things and I'd find them out and I'd be furious. And it wasn't until years later I realized that when I'm telling the story, that's how I say it. I say, and I said to them, and this is how we all do it, think about this. When we're telling the story about our own behavior, this is how we tell it. I said to them, 
come and tell me anything anything wrong come and tell me and you might but that wasn't what it was like back then if i'm completely honest and i might say those words but i wouldn't have said it like that but more importantly it wasn't about the words i was saying it was about my actions and this is where we all go wrong we think that the world is about the words we say and it's not the world is about how we act so let's say i said that to you and you worked for me but all week before I've said it, all you've seen is me stomping in and out the office, stressed, unshaven, looking like I'm gonna kill someone, struggling to deal with work, struggling to deal with all these clients, struggling to deal with bills. You don't know what's going on, but you can see them, you can see my mood, you can see my face. And then I say to you, and if there are any problems, come and tell me. Even if I say it nicely like that, internally you're thinking, no fucking way. I'm not telling you anything, you'll go mad. Look at like look like you're ready to explode and that's what I'm talking about creating an environment we need to create an environment in which people can talk and that's why it's important to talk about this stuff at the beginning because usually when we say well I have tried to talk about this we do it at the end so we start off saying okay this is when I should talk but I build it up and build it up and build it up and build it up and then we explode in some way and you know you might not be throwing something at a wall but the way you do it is sarcastic or passive aggressive or humiliating or nasty because you're pissed off and it's understandable and there's nothing wrong with that. We all get like that sometimes, but that's usually our point of reference. And we say, well, the other person didn't listen. But if we try doing it here when it first happens and instead of saying to them, like again, we can tend to do and I'm guilty of this and have been guilty of this as an attack, I don't like it when you do this. The, the trick to add on to the end of that is, look, can we talk about this? I don't like it when this happens or I disagree with this happening because when that happens, I feel like this. And that's where being vulnerable and talking about the emotions you don't want to talk about and identifying those emotions. You might not even be able to identify them if you're anything like me to begin with, but sitting down and identifying them. What is it I'm feeling right now? I'm feeling insecure. So can I sit down and we talk about this? When this happens, I feel insecure. Not you make me feel insecure because my emotions are my emotions. So when this happens, I feel insecure. Can we talk about it? And if you can create an environment, and I'm, I'm often here obviously talking about sort of relationships at home, whether that's with your partner or your kids, generally with your partner or with other family members, but it definitely does feed over into work and into relationships with bosses and co-colleagues. If you can create an environment in which you lead with your vulnerability and you lead with your challenges and how you feel and create an environment in which the other person is safe to talk about theirs and also on top of that, be willing to listen to negative things about yourself. Be willing to hear things that can be criticisms we don't like it i get that nobody likes that but that's how we find out truly the difference between who we think we are and who we actually are because who we actually are is how other people perceive us that's what that that is what the world is seeing if somebody says to you i'm intimidated by your behavior it doesn't matter whether you say your behavior was intimidating or not that person was intimidated if somebody says to you i feel like you're, you're controlling me well, that's how they're perceiving your behavior. That's the important thing. If you don't think that's what your behavior is, 
well, you've got to disconnect. And if you can talk it through and resolve it, great. But that leads to something else, and which is in any type of relationship, personal relationship, business relationship, there are exceptions to this because you might try and do this and it might not work. Because for, for two people to be able to have a relationship that's open and honest and to develop down these paths, both sides have got to want to do it. Both sides have got to want to be able to listen, talk, try and overcome all of those points we were talking about before about rage, the expressions of rage, and be willing to listen to criticisms of themselves, be, be willing to look at their own darkness and the things that they do that lead to relationships being destructive, however you want to describe them. And again, go back to this, all factors in, you'll see the link with all these different episodes goes back to the black and white thinking episode as well. There is no good or bad in this. There is no non-destructive and destructive. There's a scale. And somewhere on that line, we all fit for loads of different types of behavior. You might only be 10 on that scale compared to 100, which is hitting your partner. But we're all on that scale somewhere, or most of us, the vast majority of us, I would say. But if you're in any relationship, whether that's personal or business, where you can see that no matter what you do, that's not gonna change. Do not expect the other person to change and do not expect to be able to change the other person. All we can, we can only all control our own emotions, think about our own emotions and our own behavior. And if you're in a relationship, whether it's business or personal, in which you, you think, well, look, I'm doing everything I can. I've seen a therapist, I've seen a coach, I'm working on things externally, I'm addressing my own behavior and it's not being reciprocated then that's the time to think about, do you need to change jobs, change careers, change businesses, get a new boss, change your relationship? Because these things only, only work if both people are willing to do the same thing. That's the only way it happens. And obviously as well, this, you know, this started off on the, the difficult topic of domestic abuse and things like that. And, and there are extreme examples of this, I am sure. Again, I'm not an expert. If you're in a situation in which it is dangerous to be in that situation, then it might not be something you want to address at all. And the most important thing is to be safe and stay safe throughout all of this. Whether this is whether you're watching this during coronavirus times and lockdown times or other times, there might be an element of, okay, you just need to get through if you're in lockdown with somebody and you don't feel safe. But outside of that time, if ultimately you don't feel safe to even have these conversations, then it's time to it's time to leave whatever that relationship is, whether it's personal or business, as I say. I hope all that helps. As I say, it is a tough one to talk about. It's a extremely tough for me to talk about. It has been a big part of my development, of me looking at my own darkness me looking at my own shadow side and overcoming it. And and I will say, and it's worth saying, I don't experience rage anymore for the most part. The only, I mean, the overt rage of sort of exploding that has gone from my life. I do, I never feel like that anymore. Um, and the other side of it, the anger, yeah, anger still comes up. I identify it. I can deal with it healthily. I notice when I'm doing sort of the stealth rage behavior of being silent or 
being sarcastic, something I was growing up and I didn't realise that when I look back, I was known as being sarcastic. Actually, it was me not being able to express my anger properly. But I, I know those little signs now. And when I see those signs, I go, okay, what is this that I'm suppressing? What do I want to actually say? Say what I want to say. It has transformed my life on that side of things. It has been one of the keys when I talk about the base of all this stuff is finding more peace in your life, finding inner peace, being more content. It's one of the big keys to that. I can, I guarantee. And the people, the other people I know who have gone down this path and, and have worked on this stuff all say the same thing. It's not easy. Uh, same again, threads. The principles can be quite simple. It's not easy to do. It's not easy to look at your own darkness and face your own issues and admit to behaviors that are not acceptable and behaviors that you'd rather not have, but it's like being an alcoholic. Unless we all start admitting and accepting and acknowledging our own darkness and the behaviors that aren't acceptable, then nothing improves because we're just expecting other people to do it all the time. And the reality is we are all flawed. We are all in some way abusing the people around us, especially when we don't know we're doing it, especially when we're blind to it. And to face that darkness and to really accept it is the first step to overcome all of this. As I say, I hope it helps. I hope it relate, you can relate to it in some way. If you've got any questions, comments or feedback, uh, get in touch with me on social media reply in the comments on uh, YouTube or drop me an email via the website if you want to send anything substantive. If you want me to address anything else, if you disagree with anything I've said um, and you want to share a different view on it, I am always open to hearing other other opinions and other views that, that can help expand my own knowledge and understanding of things. And I'll share with everybody else if there's anything like that anything as I keep as I've said before as I keep learning more stuff about all these different topics I will keep sharing them as my own understanding and knowledge develops this is very much where I am at the time of recording this episode hope it helps hope you're staying safe take care see you again soon